0: Hey, what's up, my friends? I've got Mike Garden joining me on the episode today. He's a really good dude. I met him several months ago and we've been having great conversations. He's the CEO of Rejoin Media. He's also the host of the Career Cloud podcast. He also writes a very popular newsletter called The Break. When we think about taking a very different trajectory with our career, when we break from the norm, from the default paths, certainly something that registers with uncaged Mike's got a fascinating journey. He started in the trading world, evolved deeply into entrepreneurship, had all sorts of questions about what he wanted out of life, out of a career, and now he's helping people at scale. I really think you're gonna understand from his story of awakening, what it looks like to try different things, to experiment and to want something more for your life. There's a very particular concept called investment in loss, which really struck a chord with me, and I think it'll hit home with you. So enjoy this episode, you're gonna get a lot out of it. I know I did. Hey, and if you're getting value from Uncade Yourself, please hop on over to Apple Podcasts, leave a quick review. If you're on Spotify, leave some stars there too. I'd really appreciate it. It helps get the word out. All right, enjoy the episode with Mike. Growing up, society taught you to follow the script by choosing a career path and climbing the ladder. But for many people, this promise falls flat Work suffocates them and life becomes painful. Here, you're trapped in what I call the corporate cage. Fortunately, there's a way out. You can take control of your corporate job and unlock a life of freedom. I call this living uncaged. Hi, this is your host, Matt Doan. I'm a coach, creator, and entrepreneur. Uncaging people is my mission because it's been my exact life journey. This show provides you the stories, principles, and tactics to make it happen. Welcome to Uncade Yourself.
1: Hey, Mike, welcome to the show. Hey, Matt, thanks for having me. This is going to be fun.
0: It totally is. It was a pleasure to be on your show recently with Career Cloud. And now that we get to flip the scripts and go a little bit deeper, I get to go into your head a little bit. And (laughs) man, I can feel so much connection and mission and background and values and what we love doing in life. So here we are. Let's go deep together.
1: Fantastic. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. All
0: right, man, we're going to go straight into things here. Serious stuff. You're an Iron Man. Why is that so meaningful to you?
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's funny you bring that up since... uh... Ironman, Wisconsin, So I live in Wisconsin, Ironman, Wisconsin, the 20th running of it just happened on Sunday and it was a miserable day. It was, it rained all day and I went out and did a little spectating, um, for your audience who that doesn't maybe know what that is. Ironman is a, uh, triathlon. So that's a swim, a bike and a run. And it happens to be really, really long. (laughs) It's a 2.4 mile swim. It's a 112 mile bike. And then you run a marathon at the end. And I was uh, fortunate enough to train for that event and complete it in 2015. And I think, uh, you know, it was a top five moment in my life. So I'm married. I have three kids. Uh, so that's four of the top five days of my life. And then Ironman is right there. And I think um, what's so special to me about that is, I you know, I, I think I, I haven't known what I wanted to do in my life um and i've done a lot of career changes and things like that and finding something that i had to work for so hard and be so single minded for um just like i just developed this entire passion for the whole process the process of training for over uh you know over a year um where you get out on your bike sometimes for 5 6 hours at a time and you're just by yourself and and the, it it developed this like admiration for consistency over intensity. Like I know we, we've kind of, we kind of hear a little bit about that now, especially you and I, in terms of like what we're doing. Um, but that, that idea of consistency, like you can't win an Ironman with intensity. You can't go out there and sprint everything. You have to get your body into shape. Um, and you have to sort of manage risk along the way so that you can get to that start line healthy. So a real deep admiration for consistency, process, and it's where I learned to become patient. Um, I was never historically a very patient person at all. I was very impatient, type A type person. And I think the two things that taught me patience were were literally that training for that uh, event and, and then becoming a, a father and dealing with kids. <laughs> so I love, I love Man. It is an amazing feat that people go out and do. And it takes, you know, let's say 10 to 17 hours to complete. Um, and it's just a physically exhausting day. And when you're done with it and when you've completed that, you have a memory um, that just, you know, lasts your whole life.
0: Yeah. That's so powerful. Um, I used to have a boss, one of the like, best leaders I've ever come across. He was like a 10-time Ironman, go all over the world for it. And I saw, even over the years where I knew him, not only <laughs> the patience and just this, the mindset to become a world-class athlete, I saw him transform as a leader, as a husband, as a father. He became emotionally stable and in control. He was less affected by the external stuff in life. He felt like he was like stoicism, like he had an inner citadel. Nothing could pr- could get past his shield. He was in control. And you talk about that patience, that consistency, modeling it day after day. There's certainly sacrifices to get there. Time spent, hours on a bike day after day, the physical exhaustion, the injuries, all of that. But the person you become in the process seems equally as valuable.
1: Yes, uh, absolutely. I mean, there's just all of these... Um problems and obstacles that you have to get over and through when, when taking this on and it's a full commitment. Right. Um, I just remember getting, you know, the the thing about it is like to train your, your cardiovascular system. Right. I'm going to go back to this intensity thing. It's like the consistency aspect of it. you, You like, you don't see it day to day, but over weeks and months it's, Astounding to look back at like your stats or look back at yourself, um, you know, a few months ago and and how you felt, and so I was always like, you you have to, you have to make decisions such as, you know, if if I've if got if I I have a little twinge or I'm hurt or I'm just sore, right? Like, it's okay to dial it back. You should still do something. You still got to move um but you don't have to do that 2 hour workout or that 4 hour workout because you're not here for performance today you're here for performance in 9 months when you're going to hit that start line and you need your body to be you know in the right frame of mind if you will your body's got to be there so um be, you know I, I would never do like previous to to me going through this I would never do that never dial it back right I, I was a guy that like when I, I was a for, I'm a former trader and I would I, I literally was like, I'm going to die in this chair. Like I'm going to die trying, right? Like this, this idea that you can never get off, like take your foot off the gas. Um, I had to really learn that. It's like, it, wow, buddy, like take a look at the long-term, like the long-term planning of what you need to do um, and to get yourself ready for that start line. And uh, it's just like, I just, there's just so many lessons that I learned through that whole process. Um, yeah. And yeah, that's why it's, it's top five for sure. Top five day in my life.
0: <laughs> it makes me think like, I mean, you could go to anyone in life and you look at that commitment, you had an end in mind, like some beautiful thing that you were trying to get to preparing for. It was meaningful. took a lot of work and practice and going through the process. And I would just ask like for every person listening, what's your Ironman race? Doesn't have to be a literal race, but what is the thing, or at least for the foreseeable future that gives you drive and energy and that you're willing to put in work to better yourself, to get to a new outcome, whether that's like a career pivot, whether that's becoming an entrepreneur, getting ready to be a first time mother or father, like what is the thing that you need to go through the work and the process day by day and the patience to get to something that truly transforms you and makes others' lives better?
1: Yeah. I had never been so just overwhelmingly grabbed by something. Um, So I think that I I learned what that feels like um, and, you know, want to replicate that, right. Uh, In in other things that I do. And I think one other thing I just want to mention that might be really helpful for, for some of your audience. is like, I learned this idea of, I guess, like stratified goal setting. Um, I don't know if that's really the term, but, I essentially like in my mind, I had to basically say, like, what do I want out of this? Right. Like the outcome, like you work so hard for this outcome, but you can't put the pressure on like, I have to hit this time. Right. Like, or it's not worth it. Right. So I set up basically this tiered goal um, where I said, look, first and foremost, I want to enjoy this day, which means like, I can't go balls out and you know hurt myself during the race or take some risk where you know i'm i i'm in a physically bad spot or i'm hurt and i'm trying to slug slug it out just enjoy the day i want to be able to run this marathon and high five people and have a smile on my face right Mm -hmm. which is hard to do when you think about how much uh that takes a toll on your body the second one i said all right look like if conditions are sort of normal, and I get a a normal day, I do want to set a t- a time goal, right? So I set a time goal that was like doable, right? And I and I and I'm not sacrificing my first goal. Um, so I, I took that, and I and I as I was training and, and dialing in um, my times on on the swim, bike, and run, you know, like I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, I can hit this. And then I had mm-hmm. the stretch goal, which was if conditions are perfect, I get a sunny day and it's not too hot and, you know, all this kind of stuff. Um, I got a stretch goal of, I want to be able to finish that race in daylight. Uh, and so, cause a lot of people, uh, the race goes late, it goes to midnight. People can fin you know, it starts at 6am or 7am. It goes to, goes to midnight. And I wanted to finish it, I wanted to run down that chute in daylight. And, um, and, and I'd be happy, you know, with hitting any one of those based on that, that kind of the conditionals that I set. And I was lucky enough to, to hit them all. I had a great, I had a great day. Um Conditions were great and I was able to hit them. So, but I think that just gave me a, like a, it, it took some pressure off and it gave me like the right frame of mind for this long-term goal that I had, that I had set. Um And so I, I try to continue to use that in other projects uh and things that I'm, you know, that I take on. Yeah.
0: So much wisdom in that last couple of minutes, right? On how to frame it, and what you were aiming for and giving yourself grace in the process and all that jazz. Like there's so much there. L- let us rewind a little bit if we could, Mike. And I want to understand a little bit on what was your childhood like? And then how did that inform going into your career and that who you became as you went into professional mode?
1: Yeah. So I had a pretty standard childhood, I would say. Um, I have one younger brother. Uh, You know, mom and dad. So so it was the four of us, two boys. uh, You know, in a in a home and and athletics and all that kind of stuff. My parents were really big on education. Um, My dad is the second oldest of eleven kids, and I was always around big groups of people. Lots of I'm the second oldest cousin of thirty cousins, and so I was always hanging out with little kids and and all that kind of stuff um and i think my dad my dad's a, an attorney and he's a very smart very hardworking person right like the 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 lessons from him were always do your best right always do your best um there's you can always try its effort its it's all this kind of stuff um and his upbringing was a little rocky um in terms of like his parent dynamic and stuff like that. And so um, I think there was just always that heads down (laughs) work, work, work uh, blinders. And I think he, you know, chose law. I think he's great at it. So he definitely found what he is good at, but he also chose it from this, I think from the standpoint of what's a, you know, a fantastic career where I can be successful and do really well financially without necessarily taking like, a whole bunch of risk. Um, and I don't I don't mean that in a demeaning way whatsoever. I think it was a great choice and he could do it. And um but but he would so he's a professional. And I don't feel like I had a lot of exposure to other things that I could potentially do in life. Um I don't feel like I had this really broad, oh, that's what you know, finance is and investment banking and these different types of businesses and like the roles in in but in in those types of businesses. I don't feel like I had like a great exposure. And I also probably, and I just always had this feeling in the back of my mind. I don't know where this came from, but like that I was going to do a lot of different things. And and I, w- I would eventually have success, but I always had this like portfolio mindset. And I don't know why that is. Um, maybe it comes from just, I saw him and his path of law and I didn't want that but I didn't quite know what else there was out there. um, So I think I had a hard time early on when I had like friends and people who were starting careers. Oh yeah, I'm going to be an accountant. I'm going to be this or that. Jeez, like, where do I fit in? You know, I'm supposed to, and I was, I was a, a little bit of a victim of like, just work for work's sake. You know, you don't know what you're doing, but like busy work, <laughs> find busy work, right? Because it was always, you can do your best. Like, what is your best? Like, what it like, I was always like, what is the definition of that? It seems like that's a losing proposition because I could always do something better. Nothing's ever good enough. You know, that type of thing. Um, so I figured out, like, all right, well, I'll just try to do things where the upside is skewed. Um, and so that like my first job was really, you know, as a as a trader um, behind the screens, uh, basically trading financial markets where it was like the success rate is maybe, you know, two in 10 that survive a year, two out of 10 that survive a year. Um, and because I got to basically manage my own P and L I'm making trading decisions, betting on markets going up or down. And if I lose money, like I'm gone, right? Like they're just throwing 15 of us against the wall and see, see what sticks. And, and, but I was like, all right, well, I, you know, I liked markets and, and, um, I had this concept of like risk and reward. And it, it made total sense to me that when I was super young to take the biggest risk that I possibly could take, just intuitively, that made a lot of sense. Um, and I wasn't super good at it. Uh, I mean, I, I was a good enough to kind of last five years, but I wasn't one of these just intrinsically good at, gambling uh, you know uh type of uh, type of skill set um and so i i think that was just like a little bit of rebelliousness of um this really stable path of do the thing in front of you work 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 and i kind of said i not that's not for me but i don't know what it is like how do i sort of rebel um against against this and and figure out for myself how to be successful kind of almost through the process of discovery. And that has sort of just led me on a path of, you know, I've, I've changed careers a number of times and and have just been on a, a self journey of kind of being an entrepreneur without really knowing I was an entrepreneur at the time.
0: You had that spirit inside of you. I can see it like early on, even if you weren't conscious of it, you saw this single, singular path and it didn't feel right to you. So you started making little decisions that were against the grain, opposite of that, giving you optionality, right? You've won the portfolio career without even knowing that that was a term, right? But he said, let me do this risky thing because that kind of lights me up inside and I want to do that because it doesn't feel like the safe bet. And then how did that accumulate over time as you went through being a trader? Where did it go from there?
1: Yeah, so, I, you know, I, that... The optionality and all that stuff, again, I didn't know what I was doing, but like, you know, again, my my dad's a lawyer, one of his brothers is a lawyer, one's a very successful doctor, like the the successful guys are all these careerists, like these professionals that have this path, right? And I think that's what I was rebelling against. Like, I don't want to feel boxed in or like, you know, caged to use your words, like that feeling to me sounds, feels awful. So I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to try to figure out the polar, almost the polar opposite of that and then go from there. So uh trading was extraordinarily taxing on my mental and physical body, Um gambling and essentially gambling, you know, day to day, making minute to minute trades where you could you're conceptually right, maybe and your timing's wrong and you lose a bunch of money like and then the market goes your way like that is, is really hard to take. And I had, I developed like heart palpitations and all sorts of crazy stuff, but I, yet I was like, well, I'm determined, like I, I have to make this work. Right. All until, and, and I was ready to like, I honestly, I thought I was going to die like at, in, in my twenties, I really, I would wake up with my heart just pounding out of my chest and I would fall back asleep somehow a couple hours later. And I'd be like, I don't know if I'm going to wake up tomorrow. Um, So I, You know, something did have to change, but I was still saying, no, I'm going to go, go, go until I read this book. <laughs> uh, and I've, I've talked about this a bunch, but this book, it's actually up here on my shelf. It's called The Art of Learning by Josh Watskin, Waitskin. Um, And there's a particular chapter called Investment in Loss. And um, I read that and I quit the trading job the next. It was either the very next day or within three or four days. Um, but that concept is essentially in order to make big changes, right? You oftentimes have to go backwards. And my mental model of the world was always up and to the right progress, no matter how incremental forward progress. And when I read that, it just stopped me in my tracks for whatever reason. Some of your audience may think like, oh yeah, duh. But for whatever reason, that just was like a total game changer for me. And it gave me the permission to say, a downshift and say, like, I have to take a ma- major step back at, I think I was 27 or 28 years old and say, where am I going to go? Because I can't do this when I'm in my 40s. Like, where am I going to go? Um, I, went ba- I went back to school, MBA, just basically to fill time while I figured things out. Um, and I ended up making a a change over into the world of entrepreneurship because I felt like it's risky and it's hard, but nothing can compare it to what I had just gone through um, trading. And so I think like just the investing mindset and capital allocation and taking investment decisions, um, was just applicable. So I actually started, I started a business uh, with two electrical engineers, like in the semiconductor space, which I knew nothing about. Um, and we started a little, dev shop and we kind of went out of the gates This is a really interesting story like we went out of the gates really hard um we had technology that we developed that was launched up in space <laughs> uh in the biggest satellite constellation in orbit at the time which was iridium next satellite we did a mission to the moon and all this crazy stuff so we were like you know it's it's like um that line from top gun where you know first one what, did whatever. And then he crashed and burned on the, on the, on the next one. Uh, we just, we crashed and burned. We went out like a rocket ship did all, had all these contracts and, and it, the business ultimately failed for a number of reasons. We don't really have to go into, but that whole like whipsaw, um, you know, just taught me a lot of things about what I would take with me the next time I built a business. Um, and I was kind of hooked on this idea of working for myself um, and choosing choosing myself uh, above kind of anything. So I kind of stayed around um, in the world of entrepreneurship. After that business failed, I just basically held up my shingle um, as a consultant, <laughs> freelance consultant. I had some experience. I raised some capital for that business and had some uh, content marketing experience and you know ops experience. And I just said, I was going to help other companies. And my objective was I need three good clients. And if I get three startup clients, I'm going to do freelance work for them. I'm going to see what trajectory they're on. And I'm going to bet bigger on the one that is the best fit. So this idea, this, again, I was going back to this, like port, I have a, I have uncertainty. I don't know what I'm going to do next. I'm developing three options (laughs) and constraining that. And I'm going to get signal on each of those from a client's perspective and understand their business. And then something else is going to happen where I'm going to be invited to join those or they're going to need more help and I can double down and, and find my fit that way. So I did that. And ended up uh, becoming the fifth employee at a company uh, out in Seattle where we did internet content marketing. Uh, We built a a site called reviews.com. We sold the whole company to uh, a private equity firm in 2016. That's kind of how I got into like the internet. Um, And did some, then after we sold that company, uh, I said, what's, what am I going to do now? I got two kids. Um, I did some corporate consult, corporate innovation consulting um, for a Fortune 500 company, basically trying to help them create new products and services. I did that as like an in between uh, type of a, a gig while I figured out what was next. And while I was there, I built Rejoin Media, which is my company now, where we essentially buy and build online businesses. Um, so we'll take. We'll buy domains, we'll buy uh, websites, we'll kind of run them through our content marketing engine, playbook and hold as a portfolio. It's kind of like a mini, very small private equity uh, model. And that's what's led me to career cloud in the career space and where I've just developed much more of a passion for helping people figure out what they wanna do. Like it's a huge decision. And I think we're miss it's we're misallocating like all over the place, uh, with how we spend our time to earn a dollar. And, um, so I'm just putting all of my effort and my time into, into helping people figure out and get more aligned with, uh, with what they want to do over the course of it, of a career. And that often, uh, it often means breaking things. So I I talk, my my podcast is actually called the break. My uh, newsletter is called the break. And it's all about this moment of change. Like I had when I read investment and loss, right? Like there's this moment where your mental models just disintegrate and you Break this concept of work, and you choose yourself, and you go do something else. Um, it's just like a powerful metaphor for me, and so it's also it's also married with coaching. Like I've got kids, and I coach my kids, and I've just got this like I love that. I love watching these kids get better at something and respond to adversity and all this kind of stuff. And it combines those things, and I'm just trying to utilize my time and whatever I know. I'm not an expert. But like whatever my experiences are and what I know and what I've been through, if I can use that to help people make better decisions to where they love what they're doing and they're in a better situation over the next 5, 10, 20 years, like that's a massive impact. And I'd rather do that with like a handful of people than try to build a, you know, a, a unicorn company <laughs> or raise venture capital again. Like I don't want to do that kind of stuff anymore. So. um that's in a nutshell. I've talked for a while. You can you can step in with any any other questions.
0: The story resonates, man. Like <laughs> me, you went from cage to uncaged and you had your own specifics. I actually read that Josh Waitzkin book too. I mean, the investment in loss chapter probably jumps out more than any to me, but it's almost like a... Like you said, it's a mental model that sticks and be like, something's not working anymore. And I always think I have to keep going up. But no, what if I intentionally take a major step back so that I can launch forward faster? They say things like slow down to speed up. Same concept, right? What are you doing that on paper looks maybe stupid, and like completely irrational, but in the long term is massively powerful for others and for yourself, right? And that's what you did. You followed that intuition, you took an investment and loss, you shifted up. And now with the break, I I love the kind of the genesis of that. I'm curious, Mike, when you think about your target audience with that, knowing we can't help everyone because if we try to help everyone, we help no one. What kinds of people, like what are the features of their life? What's happening in their heads or their situations? Who are you speaking to with that content?
1: Yeah, I mean, a a lot of it comes like I kind of steal your line, actually, that you told me on my podcast, which is like I'm I'm writing and I'm helping my former self. Um, And I think like I'm doing that in a way that maybe brings a little bit more focus to this idea of a zigzag career path. Like, so, so there's, there's zigzaggers that are like, I maybe bounced around a few times. I'm still figuring things out 10 years into my career. Right. There's like, how do I find that magic moment where things coalesce uh, and I can, and I can ramp um, up or I can create a sane work life balance or whatever it might be. I think there's that. I think there's on there's there's a lot of people that have ideas or want entrepreneurship, want this idea of freedom. And I I actually I, I work with a couple now and it's it's way the hell harder than it seems when you're online, right? When you're reading a lot of these experts that are that are giving you all of this information. Like it's hard. And so I try to help people who I think are not good at analyzing risk, think through their decisions in a risk framework. Again, this goes back to my investing and trading um, mentality. And if they got those bases covered and they've got a good path, um, you know, entrepreneurship may be the thing, but a lot of times it might just be a different job or situation. So I'm trying to help people that are, you know, mid-career, let's say five, 10 years in, um, that have discovered, they've gotten signal back, right? About what a career actually means and what are the next steps. All right, yeah, I'm on this path for promotion, but shit, like that looks like it's gonna be a massive headache too. You know, okay, the money's great, but like all of that kind of stuff. And I'm trying to help people break their mental constructs of what it is to earn a living. It's not a career, it's not a job. Like those are that's a subset of it, right? And I I heard this thing, you know, a few weeks ago and I've just been using it. You don't need a job, you need a revenue source. And that's another mind shifter where it's just like how many different ways are there for me to do this, to support my family, to feel engaged and aspirational in what I do and fulfilled. Um, that isn't necessarily a job, right? Um, so there's lots of people I think that fall into those categories. Um, and there, there are the people also that are just overwhelmed with where life is right now. And they need a person to just help them break it all down. Like (laughs) when you're overwhelmed, you think there's a million things that have to happen at the same time. And a lot of times we can just like breathe and pause, kind of compartmentalize these different areas and say like, look, we're worried about that, but let's set that aside. Like that's something that can be sequenced down the road. So I think you, you are probably way more dialed into the actual archetype of person that you're, um, trying to help, but I just see a whole bunch of people that are begging for more fulfillment and alignment. And those are the people that I want to help make good decisions um, about their future. And like I said, it's not, we're all going to be online content creators. It's not, we're all going to open e-commerce sites, right? Like that is not the path but there's a there's room for that there's room for the career executive the career job person to find creative outlet through a side hustle right as i've done as as you have done as countless other people have done there's room for someone to start a business while they're working a full-time job ramp that to a to the point where they can leave their job right while minimizing risk I've done that also. And there's room for for people to say like, you know what? I just need a, I'm not an entrepreneur, but I just need a better fit. How do I find that? How do I just systematically go about that? And how do I manage the change in context of my family and my other obligations? How do I make, how do I help my wife understand where I'm coming from and frame the risks around that change? I think that's really Important as well, like so. You can feel like you need you as a person need to make this change. You feel that in your gut, but not everybody can get inside your head. And you need to communicate that in a way where she or he understands where your com- where that fire's coming from, where that discontent's coming from. You can address the other person's uh, fears about it, and you can you know productively like sequence out a plan to go on this on this change journey on this break journey you know together in a, in a in a healthy way instead of it being a source of friction i think there's all sorts of interesting problems around that as well
0: Man, speaks to my heart. We're we like kindred <laughs> spirits here. You talk about managing risks. So I, I grew up in the consulting world. I was doing all cybersecurity, working with like boards of directors and such, and everything was in risk frameworks, understanding upside, downside trade-offs of every given decision, what's the ROI, these sorts of things. And I think so many people, especially that are like, Millennials and older generations that are locked into these default paths, they're like, they're protecting the downside because if I leave this path, bad things happen, right? But what they're ignoring is the upside of exploring other opportunities. And it can be done in risk managed ways, like on the side, like you're saying, but upside downside, like you really keep that in mind. As I look towards this, the array of options in front of me, upside downside option A, B, C, like, do I need to stick on A? Because B and C look a lot more attractive and enticing and could give me a lot of energy. And it could be lucrative. So it's always asking ourselves those questions. And then God, just the whole investment and lossing and talking to your spouse and stuff. This has been a journey for me. I mean, you know, when we leave a, a place of comfort, when I left 15 years of consulting with my wife, having to explain that to her, like took months, but she really gets it to the point she's a teacher and she's talking to her teachers who are like industrialized education, right? They're like all talking, using language. Like I feel caged. I feel caged <laughs> in this education system and I want to live uncaged. And that's a harder predicament. That's a very standardized world. And it, the, the kind of leap makes it scares people there, I think a bit more, but it's the same idea. Like you can't just do something on your own volition. Sometimes you need to bring others around you if you can do it safely. Cause your family and friends, that stuff matters too. And you have to be like in sync on that stuff to do it well.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you do. I mean, in everybody's situation is different. Right. Um, but like you can't, yeah, you can't be like, taking a big risk like not earning income for six months, let's say, right? And not really tell your wife about it. <laughs> you know, or not communicate like what that means, right? Um so so you have to it, I I always say like making a change isn't one decision. Um it it's freaking hard because you have to manage expectations and risks all through the you know the process. And so I think one of the ways you just, you sort of do this is, you know, what you're pursuing, like, let's say you have a business idea, right? Like to your, to your point about upside is, is what you are pursuing big enough, not necessarily from a monetary standpoint, but are you sure that like, you're going to be able to adhere to that plan and continue on doing that, and that it is worthwhile, and it is going to motivate you in intrinsically, um, so that you, because it's going to be hard, and you're not going to hit your target. Um, you know, every plan, as soon as it as you start executing, it kind of goes out the window, right? So the idea is like you got to shoot above where you think it's worth it, because you know the the whole reach for the stars cuz you might land on the moon or whatever whatever that saying is right like um i think that's real like that's managing risk on the upside uh you know uh, t- thinking about optionality in what you're in what you're doing and how you could potentially see upside in other ways right like that's how i think about pursuing a side hustle is like one am i engaged in this like is this me does this like just resonate in my bones so that's a gut thing. That's not a head thing. That's a complete gut thing. And then, uh, you know, is it, wh- where are the other ways that even if I'm wrong, we can still see upside either monetarily, or there's a connection to my core business or, you know, whatever it it, it might be. I, I get to make friends with new people. You know, that's a big thing in terms of some of the projects that I'm pursuing now. So, um, so there's all sorts of ways to th- kind of think about optionality. And then, you know, the, the, where, where people really think about risk is, is the downside. And I think you take care of, uh, there's this uncertainty spectrum, which is like when you have a lot of uncertainty and you don't know the outcomes of things, which is frankly most of life, you need to have a few options. You need to create options in, the, in that uh, time. And as you develop signal about what you're doing is working, um, you reduce options. So I think that's one way that you kind of think about, that I think about, about risk. Um, It isn't every single little thing. It's what, if this doesn't work, where's my off ramp to something else that isn't going to put me, set me back six months of income or 12 months of income or something like that. Yeah.
0: Life options. (laughs) Keep an open mind towards that. How are you spending your time? What skills are you building? what you know between the emotional skill set the tangible skill set in the world what are you doing to create options in your life rather than sticking blindly to a single path and just reactively asking what doing what the market asks of you right like that's a very dangerous position to be in but like you said follow what interests you what gives you energy because especially as after you've created a cushion a financial foothold for yourself in life like You need to go towards what gives you energy, what gives you joy, because it's not worth pursuing unless it does that for you, because you're going to run out of steam. You're going to end up back at that whole what the hell do I do stage. So listen to that. Your gut is just as important, if not more important than what your head is telling you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think early on in my career, it was a lot of head stuff, right? It was a lot of like where how do I make more money and all of that kind of thing. And and now my. My first filter is my gut, and so if I if I find an interesting project to invest in, it's always like kind of my my heuristic or something like that is does this just need to be done no matter like even if I lose my entire investment right like does this just need to happen um, you know in the world and that's kind of like the first filter and then of course yes I I get more of my head involved uh, (laughs) and and dig in a little bit but that's like. That's the first filter. If it's not, if it, if that's not there, it doesn't matter because you know, any plan that you can't adhere to, this goes back to Ironman, any, any plan you can't adhere to uh, is a bad plan because you're eventually going to stop.
0: Yeah. Powerful. Let me change it up a little bit. Yeah. We share a lot of favorite books in common. (laughs) We're learning this as we compare (laughs) notes about our lives. One of the ones which stands out, and it's as much in the title as anything else, is Nassim Taleb's book. It's a very deep book, Skin in the Game. I would love if you could share your high level. like What should we know about that, and how could we apply it to our lives?
1: So first, he's great. I think he's eccentric. Uh, He's weird. He's sometimes hard to understand. But I would actually read all of his books, Um, Anti-Fragile has really shaped my thinking about how to build um, a resilient life, how to diversify, um, how to risk manage, um, but create upside. Like there's all sorts of interesting things there. Um, so anyway, uh, skin in the game is really this concept that like, I think his, like one of his f- you know, famous quotes is like, don't tell me what you think, show me your portfolio. And what he means by that from an investing standpoint is like, show me what you're all invested in. What are the companies that you're invested in? What are your ideas that you're invested in? Because when when you do that, you are placing a bet, a financial bet in this this case, right? And you are putting something at stake. You have skin in the game. If you are wrong, you will lose, okay? Okay. So that's where it comes from, from the investing world. And I think it's so powerful of a concept to when you're interacting with people um, to think about this, like what skin does this per- this person is talent is a consultant. They're telling me something. What skin do they actually have in the outcome of this decision? Uh, right. So you see this all the time on um, this is one of the reasons why I, I really I have a I've developed a, a little bit of a disdain for experts, and I put experts in a, in quotes because experts e- end up getting paid for their information that they tell you, <laughs> and then they go. This is especially true on TV, right? Like they tell you a whole bunch of stuff on TV and the news, and then they kind of go away. Months go by, the outcome comes in the other way of what they told you. So they were completely wrong, but they're still on TV as an expert (laughs) telling you more stuff. That's going to eventually be wrong. Um, You want to avoid these people at all costs. Like the most pure form. I I want somebody that has a, it's funny in our society, we actually like frown upon this, but I want somebody that has a stake in some outcome, like a big stake in some outcome. And I'm going to believe that person, you know, and I'm going to ride behind that person uh, because they're putting, they're not putting their life on the line, but they're, they're staking their reputation. There are dire consequences if they're wrong financially, let's say in, in, in investment. But if somebody is, doesn't have a negative outcome associated with, uh, what they're telling, if they're profiting off of something without having a kind of a, a dire negative um, outcome, if if, it, if they're wrong, I, you want to steer away from that. Um, that's how you kind of find a charlatan. And, and so I think it's great in managing people and thinking about dealing with people and who you want to partner with. Um, it's great in terms of when you get advice or when you seek expertise, you know, to do the portfolio theory, get three options um, and and find the one that's, you know, not a charlatan. And then think about how you have, how you have, or you don't have um, skin in the game. Cause skin in the game, when you put skin in the game, you're believable. Number one, you're believable, right? You're someone who is putting action behind your words. I think that's the biggest differentiator you're putting action behind what you're saying, so you're believable. You're trustworthy because even if even if you're wrong and you lose, I've seen this and I've been wrong. I failed, and I've had people come back to me uh, with new opportunities or or whatever because that's you know how I how I that's how I roll. <laughs> I guess right. So think about how like, skin in the game is ultimately ownership. You're taking ownership over your decisions. You're taking ownership over your outcomes. And you're also willing then to say, well, shit, I was wrong. I screwed up. I'm going to learn from it some way. And I'm going to come back again with skin in the game with a better idea or better execution or whatever that might be.
0: Yeah. It makes me think to expand the phrase, put your money time and energy where your mouth is like if you're gonna go all in on something be aligned with people that have stake but then also i look at people that like they're one out of a shitty job or career situation or they're you know their relationship sucks at home like okay you can lightly think about it and do very little like incremental shit or you could invest significant money, time, and energy, or usually some combination of that to unlock from this current state and be something more. I and mean, coaching is a great example, not to come across self-serving. I've had five different coaches in my life and like it's a big financial hit. It's been an increasing financial hit every single time, but I wanted to change that bad. And what they could do for me is they could see things I couldn't see and they would say things to me that I wouldn't dare say to myself. I'm like, that's invaluable. If I want to get out of this current environment, I need that or some version of that in my life. So it's like, if you want a massive change, whatever aspect of life, how are you putting skin in the game? And it's often money, time and energy combined in some way.
1: Yeah, I agree. So one of the things we talk about is every single decision that you make in your life is an investment decision you are giving something up. People don't realize this, but you're giving something up, right? Like when you decide to do something, you're also deciding not to do something else. And the payment isn't always money. It's time, it's energy, it's attention, it's focus. So when you learn that every decision you make is an investment decision, it's empowering and it's taking ownership over that whole process. And and you think of, you you start to think about risk and reward. You start to think about yeah, all right. Like I want this badly. What do I what do I need to put in right? Like what's my ante? What's my investment in? But then the flip side, which people miss, is if it's say two thousand dollars that you're going to invest just to make it. Easy, what do I have to reasonably ex- Where do I have to reasonably expect to get? to make that worth it. Right. Like I think people sometimes it's, it's hard to say it's, it's interesting to say this, but like sometimes people will just go quit their job, cold Turkey. Right. And not think about it. Like I really deeply think about that and they think they're just committed. Right. So I'm i am giving you the kind of the flip side. Like they think they're just committing big, like I'm in, I'm in. um, And like, they don't think about actually, well, that's my investment. That's a pretty damn big investment, right? I give up six, six figure salary for nine, 12 months or whatever. Let's say, you know, what do I, where do I need to be for that to be kind of worth it? Right. And to really think through what that means. Um, so, so it's upside and downside and it's balancing those things, right? Like, a. a a venture capitalist is going to go. I'm going to risk hundred thousand dollars, and I'm going to make twenty investments. Hundred thousand dollars and twenty investments, and I need one or two of those to go hundred x, and the other can fail, right? Like, do, they do this math, right? And so you can start to kind of do this with your individual changes. You don't have to take a long time. Don't get overcomplicated. Don't create a bunch of spreadsheets. But start thinking in these terms. If I'm giving, if my time's worth $250 an hour or whatever it might be, and I'm going to give two hours to something like cutting my lawn, right? That's $500 to cut my lawn when I can pay somebody 60 bucks to do it or whatever that might be. And I can either work those hours or I can go spend a whole bunch of time with my family and that's worth $500, right? Like there's this, this idea of risk and reward every decision you make is an investment and that's empower it's scary but it's this process of taking ownership over every one of your decisions you learn better from it and you and you've got skin in the game now you've got skin in the game for every single decision that you make you're not freeloading you're not asking for a handout you're not trying to get something for free and that just comes across It just comes across when you go to network, when you go to build relationships, and when you go to find opportunity. Yeah.
0: I can feel from our conversation today, just this handful of mental models that we're accumulating. And if you just think little things like, hey, remember investment and loss or upside downside and little things like this, like, This can be everything for you. So we've spent nearly an hour talking so far, but if you extract a few things and just apply that, ask yourself these questions day after day, life-altering results if you take them seriously. Little things, massive changes. Thanks for bringing those up. Mike, I got a few things to wrap us up. Yeah. A couple questions for you. I ask everyone this. This is always intriguing. What does uncaged mean to you?
1: So uncaged to me... um... I just went on a tirade about ownership, right? But uncaged to me is ownership. Um, You're not caged from any external situation. You're caged right in here. And when you start to really take ownership over your decisions, over the things that you do, how you spend your time, what you're working on, what your priorities are, that's when you start to become uncaged. Uh, So it doesn't matter what, where, you know, it's not, it's not, I'm, I'm caged in the (laughs) educational system, right? It's, it's, I'm caged right here. What do I need to think, do, believe to get out? So being uncaged is ultimately freedom, but freedom is synonymous with responsibility and ownership. Those are two sides of the same coin. Yeah.
0: And like you just said, it's an, it's the inner game. Once you get that solid and understand no one can make you do anything. No one can actually change your inner state. Like that is all up to you. And you take ownership of that life changes, right? You have so much more opportunity and options in front of you. Caged is a choice.
1: We have way more agency than we think we do.
0: Man. Escape that matrix. Mike, how can people connect with you online? How can you help them?
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm online. Uh, I'm on Twitter. I I got small followings. I'm on Twitter, uh, M N G A R D O N I'm on LinkedIn probably the most. So you can search my name, Michael M I C H A E L garden G A R D O N, uh, DMS and everything are always open. Anyone can contact me on LinkedIn. I pay for the premium service. So, um, you know, drop me a line if you, if you need any help or you just want to talk, uh, you can find you know, all of our career work gets done at careercloud.com. That's where you can find my podcast as well. Um, my personal site is michaelgarden.com. You can subscribe to the break if you want. Um and yeah, I'm I'm I approach my whole life as a coach, whether that be uh as an employer or as a helper, right? And so um I think coaching is about not telling you what to do, but asking really good questions. And so if you're stuck on something and you you think you need somebody to take a look at your situation with fresh eyes and ask really good questions, I'm your guy. <laughs> so that's kind of how I help people.
0: Nice. Love that. The coaching mindset. Any other additional messages you want to leave with people today?
1: Um, just kind of going with the theme. I mean, it, it, it's really... It's really time for you to choose yourself, to start putting yourself first. I think people hide behind, I have to sacrifice for X, Y, or Z, my family or whatever. Or just if I sacrifice a little more, I'm going to get to some holy grail spot. And I don't think that's the case. You have to start putting yourself first. You are a building block. You need to be strong. You need to build yourself as strong as possible before you can be of any help to anybody else. And you got to find the right situation for you. You gotta get uncaged in your mind and you gotta open your life up to all these other experiences. And you do that by being strong and taking care of yourself first.
0: Man, so powerful. Couldn't say it better myself. Thanks for the time today, Mike.
1: Thanks for having me, man. Great to see you. uh, And I I just look forward to our continued interactions.
0: We got a massive mission to go out there. Let's keep doing it, brother. (laughs) All right, buddy. Thanks. Hey, Matt here. Thanks for listening to Uncage Yourself. For show notes and more content like this, head over to uncageyourself.fm. And if you liked what you heard, I'd appreciate you leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Until next time, be well, my
1: friend.